new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And I've got so much stuff to update you on. And I apologize that I haven't gotten to this stuff sooner, but I've just been caught up in a tornado of pro wrestling goodness. And now the NFL's back in my life, so there's just all this stuff that's getting my attention right now. But so many uh, good things. Couple of couple of you know little sad notes, but most of it uh, good. Uh, and let's circle back to you know we're what in September fifteenth. We're right in the middle of September already. Let's go back to the beginning of September. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the premiere of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and how is it going to do at the box office? You know the unknown of you know a very largely unknown cast, and even though it's got the Marvel brand property all over it, but how is it going to do box office wise? You know it was going to be a theater exclusive, so nothing on Disney Plus or anything like that. So if you wanted to see it, you would have to go check it out at your local Cineplex. And I'm happy to report. That this movie did over, I want to say close to 90 million over the four day weekend with Labor Day, right? The Labor Day weekend. And I had predicted on this show that it was going to have the biggest opening ever for uh, a Labor Day release. And that sure, like that sure as hell happened. We felt it at work. It was super busy for it. We were so happy that people turned out for it, even though we're kind of like in this unknown again with the delta variant and are people scared to come out and and check out stuff and also for the future of the industry right like do people even just care about going to the movies anymore and uh you know just going by these numbers i mean come on folks a theater exclusive movie where you can only check it out your cineplex and people came out to see it there's still an appetite for that it's still out there so I think Disney got the message because the rest of the slate of their movies are going to be theater exclusives, including the next Marvel movie coming up in November, Eternals. So that's a good sign. They're not going to go the Disney uh, Plus route, you know, the day streaming and same day as theater. So that's a lot of good news. But before the premiere of Shang-Chi into theaters, we did get a couple of sad notes. So especially for me on my end, Um, Paramount Pictures delayed the releases of Top Gun Maverick, which was supposed to open, I think, like either the week before Thanksgiving or right in the week of. That got pushed to next May. So that's a bummer for me. That was probably my most, it was really my most anticipated of 2021 if it was going to release then, or 2020, I'm sorry. But uh, so I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. Same thing for Paramount Studios' Jackass Forever. Uh, that was supposed to open in October. Now that is going to open in February. Not that much longer of a wait, but still a bummer. Would have loved to have seen it this year. You know, a jackass movie in the theater laughing with a crowd is always a good time, you know, regardless of how old that they look now. I mean, just people getting hurt and pranks and all that stuff. When is that ever not funny? So I was really looking forward to that. So that got delayed. Um, And then, of course, so... Next May would have been the start of Mission Impossible 7. I know they're going to film back-to-back Part 7 and Part 8. So that one got moved to September. But the good news on that end is that we're going to get a double dose of classic Tom Cruise next year. So we got May with Top Gun Maverick. And then we got September for Mission Impossible 7. And then in 2023, Mission Impossible 8, which I think they're currently filming right now or about to start filming, that'll come out. So... It's going to be back-to-back-to-back of Tom Cruise. So I guess there's a silver lining in that, so I'll take it. But I am a little bummed that it's not coming this Thanksgiving. But it would have been a nice little treat, and I probably would have checked it out over and over just because there's not really much else I'm looking forward to until December. So let's – well, wait, before I get to that. um, So the other – good news that came out of like the the shang chi this is all the the shang chi effect right keep saying shang chi it's shang chi uh the effect of that in the box office success so remember venom let there be carnage was originally supposed to open i think at the end of september and it got pushed to the middle of october right because you know still uncertainty we don't know what's going to happen but that success happened and people are still coming out and um so they decided to move up the release so now Venom Let There Be Carnage will be released on October 1st. So that's now a couple of weeks away. And I think and that's going to do some really good business 
It's not rated R. It's going to be PG-13. The first Venom was a huge box office success. We're going to see if it was an anomaly. You know, I know a lot of people didn't like that movie, but, you know, Tom Hardy, Woody Harrelson being wacky, and now it's come out with the official runtime of the movie is. It's an hour and 31 minutes with credits, folks. And I'm starting to become like that old, like, get off my lawn, like, grouchy kind of guy. So if I don't have to sit in a theater for two hours and 30 minutes watching a bloated comic book movie and it's just straight 90 minutes to the point, Tom Hardy, Woody Harrelson being wacky, give it to me. No, no, no fluff. It's all like to the point. So, and it could be a bad movie. Like, I I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, the first Venom, not going to lie. I mean, I don't remember what the plot of it was or the story of it was, but I do remember liking Tom Hardy in the performance a lot. So I'm going to check this one out. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. So, and it being like an hour and 30 minutes, just, it, it got me even more excited for it. So all these fanboy marks and geeks that just complain like, Oh, it's too short. They're going to like not give it enough story. And it's like, dude, like length of movie, the rating of a movie doesn't determine whether it's good or not. Like Logan, I think would have been good, whether it had been PG 13 or R did it benefit a little bit more from the rated R and they got to be a little bit more rambunctious with the, with the violence and all that stuff. Yeah, cool. But that's not why you liked Logan. Logan, you liked it because it was an incredible story and a powerful end to one of the most popular comic book characters uh, in the history uh, of that genre. So, yeah, hour and 30 minutes, this could be the best thing that could ever happen to Venom. So you don't get an, a, any of that, like, God, looking at my watch, like, there's still, like, so much time to go. Like, no, it's going to be straight to the point. At least for me. Works for me. I love it. I'm not going to complain. So thanks to the success of Shang-Chi, they moved up Venom. That's good for my business. And that's just good overall in general. So... I mentioned that I wasn't going to have anything to look forward to uh, for the rest of November, right? Top Gun Maverick was going to be my thing. And uh, so HBO Max, right, has been doing this thing with simultaneous day release and and theater release. They were the first to jump on it. It's worked out for them for the most part. Um, Some movies have flopped, like In the Heights, uh, including The Suicide Squad also flopped. Um, even the new one, which I'm going to review later in the show, surprise folks, I checked out a horror movie last night. The movie's called Malignant from director James Wan. I'll talk about that later on in the show. That flopped. So, um, but I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, I know everyone's probably talking about Dune and everyone, you know, there's a lot of cult fans for that property and this movie's been done over and over. Um, but the one I think is going to surprise and going to do very well and I kind of wish that HBO Max would let, you know, theaters have exclusivity for it. And we got our first glimpse last week at The Matrix Resurrections with the returning Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss as Neo and Trinity. The first trailer, like, I, people were, like, kind of underwhelmed by it. But for me, it was, like, it was just so good to see these characters again. And... Whether or not the movie is going to be good or if it's going to make any sense or if it's going to be in relation to any of the sequels. Are they just – is it a meta thing? Are they redoing it? Is it a spiritual sequel to the first movie and ignoring the other two sequels, which I like them, right? I like The Matrix. Uh, you know, Well, now it's going to be a saga. Right? It's not going to be a trilogy anymore. I, I like those movies, and even though the sequels weren't as beloved as the original, I still enjoyed the heck out of them. Uh, you know, I went out back in the day to check out these movies on, on the midnight first showing. So I have nostalgia for that. Um, and I know not everything needs to be rebooted or remade or restarted or whatever you want to call it. But I'm super pumped for the Matrix Resurrections. Like I knew it was coming, but like there was never really there was like one behind the scenes photo on it. But it wasn't really enough to get me hyped. And now we're like in the middle of September and it's supposed to come out in December and just like Spider-Man No Way Out um, they finally released a trailer and for that one like that one was whatever but fans are excited for that but the Matrix Resurrection trailer although people were underwhelmed by it it got me it had a nice tone it looks different obviously the technology is going to be a lot better because back in 1999 the Matrix was so revolutionary and they changed a lot of the the way action movies were made and and some of the stuff that they introduced in that uh 
in that movie, you know, like the slow motion and all that stuff. We never really saw that before The Matrix. So it was really a, a game-changing movie. And I don't know if they're going to go for that this time around. Me, I, I'm just personally hoping for a good story. Now, whether this is meant to start up a new series or franchise or whatever, but and it probably is because that's just the world that we live in now, right? It's all about like IP and properties and what could you make out of this. I mean, geez, you look at the Batman, the upcoming new Batman movie from Matt Reeves. They're already going to start spinning off a lot of the side characters into their own series on HBO Max. So, again, it's all about property. It's all about characters. So it it wouldn't shock me if The Matrix was, was going to go on. Now, I'm excited for this one because it's actually from the Wachowskis or one of the Wachowskis. Um, so there's connection there to, like, the original stuff. It's not like a new director coming in with a new vision. This is the, the same director who's known these characters and who's worked on these characters for years and years and years and revisiting it. And if they have a new interesting story to tell, badass. I'm all for it. It's going to be awesome, I hope. It looks awesome. Um, and then Keanu Reeves has just been on this tremendous like third act of his career. He's beginning to film John Wick 4, which has just been one of the best you know, new franchises to come along, which... You know, if you think about it, it really like you didn't think it would have been a franchise. This looks like such a when the first one came out, it was just such a it looked like such a B movie, but it was well made and you know well thought out with the mythology and all that stuff. And it just it turned into a franchise, and people love it. And it's it's gotten better and better, and it's up the ante uh, with each um, chapter. So I'm looking forward to that too. So Keanu Reeves is just on a hot streak right now, and I'm sure that's going to come into play in whether or not. You know, people were into the Matrix the first time or not. Like, they're going to see Keanu Reeves and they're going to be like, oh, let's check this out. So, but if you've never seen the Matrix movies, folks, if you're listening to this and never seen it in your entire lives, go check it out. Like, you may watch it now and it might not, it might be a little corny, but that's only because there's been so much ripoff and so much like influence since then that's that it's not going to look groundbreaking to you. But, it's still a good story that was told through three movies, and uh, I can't wait to revisit them. I I just rebought the franchise on on 4K, so I'll definitely be watching those as we get closer to the movie, which will be right around Christmas. So this one and Spider Man are gonna be you know duking it out. I know Spider Man will probably beat it out because it's got the exclusivity to the theaters, and plus it's it's Marvel and it's Spider Man, so there's gonna be more buzz for that, but. Don't don't sleep on the Matrix Resurrections. It's it, it could be another one of those under the radar like really good movies and just gain momentum through time. So that's what I'm hoping. And hopefully people I, this is a movie like I saw Malignant at home on HBO Max, but it's a horror movie and I'm not about the jump scare so I wasn't going to see this in a theater regardless. But the Matrix Resurrections, although it's going to be available to me at home, that's a movie that is meant to be seen on the big screen and the biggest screen possible. So if it's an IMAX, I will be there. Maybe not day one, but I'll be there in IMAX. And uh, hopefully you are too. A um, couple of other things. Uh, fall TV starting to come back in, uh, into the swing of things. And I don't really watch that much like shows anymore on like you know your ABCs and, and all that stuff. Um, but FX is uh doing the American Crime Story the season 3 obviously obviously they did the the masterpiece that was the uh, the people versus OJ Simpson and, and that was an incredible series and uh they did a really good job with it they did uh the the assassination of Gianni Versace for season 2 which I don't know anything about that also wasn't interested in it so didn't tune into that but then I heard what the what the next season was going to be and this has been in the works for a while and that's the impeachment uh, of Bill Clinton and the whole story with that with Monica Lewinsky and, you know, Linda Tripp and all that stuff that went into it. And I remember it vaguely as a kid, right? It was one of those first big scandals that I remember on the news. And again, I mean, I'm not like the youngest person, but I'm also like not that old, okay? So, yeah, this is one of the first I remember like big like scandals in, in the national news. And uh, I don't know, like, the super details on it. I mean, I remember the names. I know, you know, you hear Monica Lewinsky, and I know the name. Bill Clinton, of course. Uh, some of the 
aspects of that, yes, I do remember. But I, I'm going to be interested in this show to see like the details. And Monica Lewinsky is a producer on this show, so I know they're going to try to be as accurate as possible with the stuff that went down. Uh, and of course, I mean, they're getting like it's based on a book also, so we'll see how much you know reality there is to it as far as like getting things right. But having her on as a producer is a good thing because she's like the whole thing involved her, right? And I know there was other people involved, but having her on as a producer, I think is going to give it a lot of credibility. And I've watched the first two episodes on this and it's pretty riveting and, and some good stuff. Uh, of course, they've brought back Sarah Paulson, who's, I mean, God bless, you know, I love my Margot Robbie's and, you know, Sandra Bullock's and stuff. But you want to talk about one of the best working actresses today in television and on film when she's given the opportunity. Sarah Paulson is just a tremendous talent. And she plays Linda Tripp here. So she's got a little bit of prosthetics on. Maybe a little bit of a... Uh, I hate to say this, but like a fat suit. Like she's a little heavier set. But the performance is all there. And it's a haunting performance so far. It's only two episodes in. She's the star of the show. Uh, she's the biggest name other than like, you know, a Clive Owen who's playing President Clinton. But he's not really... Uh, that big of a character on the show, even though the series is about him, like he'll only pop up every now and then. He's more like a, an aura that's surrounding the entire show. Uh, but when he does pop on, like he does a pretty interesting job, even though it's kind of weird to see Clive Owen with like also again a, a bit of a prosthetic on the nose. I know Clinton has like a weirdly shaped nose. So him doing that is it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Of course, if you don't know who Clive Owen is and you're just watching, you just think, oh, maybe that's just the way that guy's nose looks. But <laughs> it takes me out of it a little bit. Doesn't take me out of it with, with Sarah Paulson because she's so engulfed in the role and she's doing great things. you got other actresses in there. Edie Falco as uh, um, Hillary Clinton, who she's barely been in it just a little bit. Uh, the girl who plays Monica Lewinsky, a young up-and-coming actress. You know, I know her, know her more from comedies like Neighbors and... Uh, Book Smart is the the Olivia Wilde movie. She's done a lot of this stuff. I forgot what her name is. I know her last name's Fieldston, but she's doing a, a pretty tremendous job as Monica Lewinsky. Uh, even though I don't really know what Monica Lewinsky sounds like, I know what she looks like, but I don't really know what she sounds like. So maybe I'll look at archived footage of that, see if she's trying to, you know, do like a uh, quote unquote impersonation, or if she's like just putting her own spin on it. But she's doing a good job there. Uh, Colby Smolders is in this show as Ann Coulter and holy shit like her her voice is like nailed down perfectly to to that character and she's doing a good job there just all these different elements again we're only two episodes into this thing so they haven't really dived into a lot of the stuff yet it's more getting to know it, it's been it's been more focused on Linda Tripp and Monica Lewinsky more Monica Lewinsky in the second episode and uh the first episode was more about Sarah Paulson playing Linda Tripp and just a lot of the shenanigans going on there, but again, a deeply connected story. And then just, I'm, I'm going to wait to see how it plays out. I mean, we all, we all, I, we all know the story, but again, it's the little details that make it good. That's why, you know, the people versus OJ Simpson, although we know everything that happened there, it's nice when they add in those little details and, you know, the little nuances that just make the story pop more and make it more meaningful. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. So I'm watching that. Obviously, my show, A Million Little Things, nice little family drama, comes back in a couple of weeks, so I'll be checking that out. The final season of This Is Us is going to be starting soon, so not a lot of, of, of network television that I'm watching as much. You know, I have YouTube TV, but mostly it's either sports stuff, wrestling, and then, of course, my those little shows. Like, if, if they weren't doing, like, this impeachment show, if it was just, like, on any other little thing, if the story wasn't interesting enough, I probably wouldn't watch it, but, you know. It just times are changing, and most of this stuff is on like streamers now. Uh, there's a couple of stuff that maybe I want to dive into. Um, don't want to talk about that so much yet, unless I do dive into it. Um, the Many Saints of Newark is coming to HBO Max in theaters on October 1st. That's the Sopranos prequel, so I need to get my ass on the ball with starting the Sopranos, and you're gonna be like. <gasps> Palace, you've never seen The Sopranos? Yes, folks. Surprisingly, there is stuff I've never seen in my life, and The Sopranos is a show I've never seen. Even though I'm so engulfed and I loved all these 
movies and the genre of, of mafia and, and mob, just anything related to that always hooks my attention. But I, you know, I didn't have HBO in the time when it was airing originally. So, but it's there for me on HBO max. Um, I just got to get the ball rolling on it. It's once I start an episode, then I'll get really into it. I just been like, so caught up with, with different things and, you know, getting this football podcast done and, you know, wrestling's just been so interesting to watch on all aspects. Um, including like, I haven't even had a chance to talk about the fallout of all out, which I'll probably do at the end of this show, but just oh, so many, so much good things. And in the middle of all that, I was able to check out a horror movie last night. So let's take a break here. I've talked about a lot. When we come back, I will do my review of Malignant from director James Wan, who brought us to Conjuring, who did the the mega hit Aquaman. Then he came back to do another little, like, nice little horror movie. So good choice on him for that. But my review and thoughts when we come back, this is Palace Off the Top Rope. Stick around. Welcome back to the show, and it's time for the movie review of the week. I feel like I haven't done this in a while. Gosh, what was the last movie I saw in theaters? Was it Stillwater? Probably was. And that was at the end of July. Um, I don't know. I take that back. I saw The Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> I like that movie, but gosh, I completely already forgot about it. <laughs> but there's just, just so much stuff going on, so I'm not going to fault that. It was a good movie. If you didn't check it out, you know... I get it. You know, the first movie was awful. So if you didn't return because of that, uh, I totally get it. But if you're willing to give it another chance, if you're willing to see a different version from a different vision of a director, go check it out. And it's going to be coming out soon on uh, Blu-ray and 4K. So I'm going to end up buying it. I saw what the steel case or the steel book is going to look like. So that, that's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But anyways, yes. Um... So, Malignant, I had seen the TV ad all over my damn TV. You know, I've been watching a lot of stuff on YouTube recently, and a lot of it was the ad for that whenever it would pop up during videos. And I really didn't know what was going on. It was like the same clip over and over. Like, I wouldn't see anything else in this movie. I never never saw the trailer or anything like that. I knew James Wan was going to direct it. You know, I'm at work, and... I get the posters for it and like he's not a producer it's not like something he's producing like this is a directorial thing like this is the guy who directed the first conjuring movie and now how many movies later and we're still getting this i mean they're not directed by him anymore but he's the one that started all that and kind of like revived the horror a little bit to the mainstream level like he had a lot to do with it i think he also did the insidious movie so he's done a lot of good stuff in the horror genre so when i saw that he was going to direct this like Kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit, like, okay, this this is interesting. Like, this is a guy that just came off doing Aquaman and and Furious Seven, like two of the biggest blockbusters that we've had in in the last couple of years. Like, we're talking billion dollar, like worldwide that these movies made. And he came back to do like a small little like B looking horror movie. Like, this doesn't have like a major star in it or anything. But the poster was like. That had the tagline, like, a new vision of terror or horror or whatever. So, you know, I had my eyebrow raising a little bit. And I've stated multiple times on this podcast and many times on social media, like, horror is just not my style at all. But, you know, sometimes word of mouth can convince a person. Even me. Like, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, don't be swayed by critics or whatever. And But it really wasn't the critics that swayed me into watching this. 
it was all the word of mouth from like just people on Twitter that I follow, like from the film Twitter world. And they were all saying like good things about this stuff. Like, and it was like, oh man, this movie and in the last 45 minutes are so crazy and weird and all this stuff. And again, you, I see the word weird and right away that's ticking a box for me because I'm all about like weird stuff, like, and stuff that's just that gets you to say like, what the fuck did I just watch? So I'm into all that stuff. It may not be like my choice of thing, but I am still like intrigued whenever I'm watching something like that. So I'm like, I'm hearing all this same good word of mouth. I'm hearing it at work from different coworkers. I didn't walk into the movie at all during, during, during my time there since it's been out. I know it's only been out a couple of days. Um, the jump scares for sure. I wasn't going to go in at all. Um, so I kept seeing all this good word of mouth and I'm like, God, you know what? Like I got to check it out. Like I just can't deny it. Like if there's that much good word of mouth, um, you know, I got to, I got to see it. And now people are going to be like, well, you know, everyone's talking about Shang-Chi and, and how good that is. And you haven't seen it, but everybody says that about every Marvel movie. So I know I've, I can't really take that at face value because they say it about every single movie every damn time and then when i do go into those movies even though it's not the audience or the the people that sway me to go see these things like it, you get let down and maybe i'll see shang chi at some point or maybe it'll just be like doctor strange in 2016 and i'll skip it still haven't seen it to this day and i won't miss a beat of anything that's going on in the mcu so i mean i don't know i just don't have any interest for shang chi like none of that like interests me at all um, but I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. Um, whenever it hits Disney Plus, <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, I'm moving on to, to other things. Cry Machos this week with Clint Eastwood. Like, I'm more looking forward to that. Like, I'm, like, just a character drama as opposed to like a big spectacle of a Marvel movie that's filled with CGI. So, you know, whatever. It's just my taste. But with something like Malignant, like, it's just so much good word coming out of it and the weirdness everyone says that it has. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to budge, but I'm going to see it at home. So last night, and of course I, I waited to watch it at night for some reason. I don't know why. It's just a, the stupid part of me, even though like I'm going to be, I'm still going to be like covering my ears like a little wuss. Cause I just, even then, even though I'm at home, the jump scares are still there. Um, so anyways, I'm watching this movie and it's got this like, like from the moment, from the moment it starts, it has this fun vibe with the with the credits and and the musical score is like awesome in this movie. It's like very like not your typical like oh like you're very like you know just or or silent horror movies where like the jump scares happen where there's just no noise going on and I don't know ah no this had a cool like upbeat like musical score so that was one of the things that sold me uh, on this being like kind of different and wacky even though we've seen. Movies like this before, you know, where there's like this unknown force or whatever that's, you know, making its way and terrorizing an individual. We've seen it before, right? But when it's done with style and it's done with somebody that knows what they're doing, I'm okay with that. Like sometimes predictability is not a bad thing in movies. As long as it's done stylistically, if it's done well, you can't fault it for that. Um, Because, you know, how many movies have have we've seen throughout the years there's so many damn movies and a lot of them are alike like you can say something like i don't know for example you know like your typical action movie like you know you've seen action movies over and over and over but as long as they're well made like how can you hate on it like is it the story a little predictable sure um and i'm not gonna spoil anything on this movie i really want you to see it for yourselves if you're into the horror genre or if you're just looking for a good like freaky movie to check out on a date night, you know, Halloween's coming up. This is going to be something to check out. I know it'll be gone off HBO Max by the time Halloween arrives, but if you're in the mood for something like just different, like this is not like a it's not like your conjurings or a lot of the stuff that comes out these days where it's just like, you know, it's a demon or something like whatever. Like this is just so wacky out there like once you find out what the twist is or, or what it is, you're like, oh, fuck, okay. It's a little like, um, what is it? Like, ah, this isn't believable at all. But you go with it because it's a horror movie. Like, suspend. It's okay to suspend your disbelief, guys. You don't have to always be like, oh, that does, that would never happen in real life. It's fantasy. It's fiction. Like, that's the that's sometimes what we forget about movies and a lot of us get too serious on it. Sometimes it's okay to just escape 
And now you can say, like, oh, pals, you're always criticizing the Marvel movies. Well, I'm criticizing it from a point because you want me to take these movies so seriously and the material so, like, just over-the-top, like, epic and all this stuff. And it's like, what? Sometimes this stuff is just silly. Like, if you think about it, the whole MCU and our whole, like, the whole goal of the first set of movies was they were after this villain that was basically an alien collecting rocks to destroy the world like that's a dumb concept in general but you know people took it serious and made it all into a whole big deal i got caught up in it as well you know because they were telling fun stories but at the end of the day it's like it's freaking silly right you know people get oh wrestling's stupid yeah it's silly wrestling is silly and stupid but i enjoy it it's just fun entertainment and that's what malignant is is it's just fun entertainment suspend your disbeliefs it's got the nice jump scares in it. It's it's just artistically well made from a director that just didn't have to return to do something like this. Like I think he's grown beyond this genre, you know, into making big franchise blockbusters or just bigger movies in general. Like he could have he could have chosen anything he wanted to do, I'm sure. Right? With the success of Furious Seven, the success of Aquaman, and he came back to do a smaller, like b-type horror movie with like a a relatively unknown cast like the main character in the movie i think i remember her seeing her in the mummy with tom cruise like you know i wish that movie would have been a success but that's a different story but that was like the only relatively known person that i spotted in the movie and even then i had to go to imdb and be like i'm pretty sure that's her but let me double check that's why imdb get the app folks it's perfect for all that stuff and sure enough, it is her. Um, and she did a tremendous job. Good leading role. But again, she's not like a huge star. Like they could have gotten somebody like a, a Margot Robbie for this. You know, a Jennifer Lawrence. You know, they could have gotten a big name. And maybe this would have done better with a bigger named star. But the movie works just right with this actress and the stuff going on. And it's just a fun ride all the way through. It's well made. You get the scaries in there. You get the what the fuck is going on aspect of it once you hit the final like 45 minutes of it. And then when you get the the reveal, you're like, whoa, like that's weird as shit. But again, weird as shit is my thing and I'm all for it. So I'm not one to recommend horror movies. I'm going to recommend this one. It was well done. It flopped at the theaters this weekend, but it's way better than it's been advertised. And maybe I'll blame some of that on the marketing. You know, they didn't market this movie too well. You know, I think they could have done a better job on that. I think the poster is magnificent. It's got like that scary look to it. You know, you got the 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 big sell of it is the freaking chick with her white eyed like scared look on her face. Like that's that's a good sell for me. Um, but most of it was tremendous word of mouth. And I hope this does get word of mouth and it'll bring out people for its second weekend and. You know, you're looking for a really good scary movie, and I'm not really one to say, right? You know, I'm, this is this genre is not my shit, and um, but I enjoyed it a lot. But again, a lot of it was weird, also, so that maybe had more to do with it. But I would consider this one of the better scary movies that I've seen in a long time. Um, not that I've seen so many, but of the recent mainstream ones, like your It's, your Conjuring's. I saw the last Conjuring that came out, and I did a review on my podcast earlier this summer. And I thought it was just eh, it was whatever. But this one, like, it had some good scares in there. The blood and the gore was a little over the top, but it was also well done. Again, that matters. And when you get a good director in that spot, it's like, uh, I'm not going to say he's mastered the genre, but it's like Martin Scorsese coming back to do, like, a mob movie. Like, you know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to be well made and it's going to be freaking entertaining as hell. So it's kind of like that. Like it, that's what I attribute. Like the first Conjuring movie, I loved a lot. It was really scary, and it was so well made. And then you see a lot of that same vibes here in, in Malignant. Like it's just this guy just he knows his shit. So I guess I can give a little bit of credibility on my own. Say like this is a good movie. Like it's a good horror movie, but it's also just a well made fun B movie. You know, and I say B movie, and I don't mean that as a knock, but you know what I mean. Like just smaller scaled cast. That's just not unknown, and you probably wouldn't see them in much bigger movies other than the lead. But And then again, she's not a big household name either. So just very B-level, uh, very small story, very self-contained. 
could this have a sequel? Sure. I mean, everything gets a sequel these days. I mean, freaking, freaking Bridget Jones Diary got three movies. So, I mean, come on. Like, where's my entourage to? Damn it. Uh, if, if anything could get a sequel, why can't that? Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, just any movie can have a, you know, a sequel nowadays. Will, will this get one? Probably based on the box office failure of it. Probably not. But if you wanted to come back and do a, you know, straight to streaming sequel, I'm sure they're going to do it. I'm sure James Wan won't do it. You know, he did a nice little story here, even though like it's kind of left a little open ended, but it's also like this could never be revisited again in a sequel and it would be just fine. Like it has a conclusion. So, but fun movie, wacky, weird. Um, again, if you're date night or horror movie enthusiast, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, but let's take one more break. When we come back, I'm going to do my delayed fallout of all out. So stick around. This is pass off the top rope. We'll be back. They say everything's bigger here. And not to mess with us. Because this place runs deep in our hearts. Here's the bottom line. This is where the jaws will drop, the feet will stomp, the crowds will roar, and the superstars will soar. Where the roofs are blown off, asses get handed, and moments are made in the only way we know how. What? WrestleMania calls, and Dallas says, Oh, hell yeah! Welcome back to the show. And last time I talked wrestling here, uh, I was with Brandon McLaughlin and we were previewing all out. Like we didn't know what was going to happen on that event. We even like, we did our, our prediction show like way days before, like even the final dynamite and rampage before that show even aired. So a lot of stuff happened in between stuff that didn't happen on that show. Um, but the biggest news coming out of all out was the debuts of Brian Danielson which I had kind of talked about on this podcast already. So that happened. That was freaking awesome. That was the final thing to end the show. Um, and we finally found out what happened with Adam Cole. And he's an AEW, baby. Um, incredible debut. Was not expecting it on that show, and it did. Um, he immediately turned heel and joined the Elite with Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, the Good Brothers, Don Callis. So that was an interesting turn, I thought. This would have been a good opportunity for him to be on his own as a singles baby face. And that may still be the plan at some point because he got just such an amazing reaction um, and still is. And he has his wrestling debut tonight on Dynamite. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But now, like, the stage is set, right? Like, we have Punk. We got Danielson. We got Cole. Got all these elements together. Now... AEW just needs to start cooking, right? Like you got the ingredients. Just start cooking, giving us some good meals, right? And they're they're on just such a high momentum swing right now that WWE is there's just really nothing that can counter that right now. Um, they did a reactionary Raw show this past week based on the success of All Out and Dynamite beating Raw in the ratings in the in the key demo. So. This week they had uh, Big E, who's been like one of the favorite wrestlers backstage and among a lot of fans for a lot of years. He's been around forever. And this year he won the Money in the Bank briefcase. And he's been carrying it around. It's like, when's he going to cash in? Or who, who do you think he'll cash it in on? He's a SmackDown superstar, so maybe it'll be on Roman Reigns. And over the weekend, or I think like late early Sunday or for sure like all day Monday, he was talking about how he was intending to go to Monday Night Raw and intending to cash in the Money in the Bank contract. So that ended up happening. He won the championship, so he's now the new WWE 
champion, world heavyweight champion. So good for him. It was a good feel win, but of course felt super rushed and hot shotted because it was a reactionary thing. Would they have done this? Was this the plan all along? Who knows? Um, but just going how everything went in the past week for AW and all the success and all the talk that's been going on about them, WWE needed to do something on their end to get things back on track. And not to say it's all bad for WWE, like SmackDown right now is doing like the best numbers out of anything wrestling related so just good overall like for me like i want it to all be good like i'm not like this weird like <laughs> fuck wwe all, all the way or, or the or vice versa like i want it to all be good i want it to all be successful but right now smackdown is doing like tremendous numbers and this past week they did a 2.3 million and i think the highest demo that they've done for that show in a very long time and the best viewership for that show since like january of earlier this year so they they got some good things going on their end too, but you know the shows have kind of just been hit and miss. This whole thing with Becky Lynch as a heel, like I don't know, I'm still waiting to see where it goes. Like the fans are getting behind Bianca Belair in this little feud with her, but I'm waiting to see like real like the real Becky Lynch heel aspect of it. Like we've seen like some of it early on, but we'll we'll see how much more she does with it and how much farther they're gonna go with it. Um, I don't know if she'll do like this because I, I don't think she's going to get booed entirely. Like I think Becky Lynch is just to me. I, I still think one of the biggest superstars that they have in all of wrestling. So maybe they might do a thing with Britt Baker, like a Britt Baker type thing where like she's a heel, but she's also like getting massively cheered everywhere she goes, but she still does like heel tactics could be a thing like that. Or, you know, maybe Becky will do something so despicable to the point where you will start to really hate her like a Kenny Omega like Kenny Omega was a huge baby face but he's done such a good job as a heel that you do actually start to boo him when he comes out and you want to see him get his ass kicked so um we'll see what happens with that so that's kind of been you know that's kind of like on a it's on a tipping scale right now so um we'll, we'll see how that ends up going you know I want to see how the rest of this year plays out but yeah, WWE doing that big reactionary thing for Raw, like that show is just a total mess. So maybe Big E being on that show and being the champion will give it some life. Although there's nothing in its like recent history that could make me believe otherwise that they're going to put on like a, a good three hour show. It's just hard in general. So I have it on like mostly on fast forward. Like there's a couple of things I'll watch just to keep in the loop. But for the most part, Raw is like a super fast forward show as opposed to like, you know, Dynamite and even SmackDown. Like I'll watch a majority of the stuff that's going on there. So the, I'm getting my wrestling fix regardless, you know, re whether Raw is good or not. But hopefully with the addition of Big E as champion, if they make that interesting enough, uh, I'll probably tune in a little bit more. NXT got its rebrand uh, last night uh, just from a a visual standpoint, a way better looking presentation than what had been presented these last couple of years. Like the black and gold were their colors, but now it's like kind of like a rainbowish, like just spray paint kind of thing. And it's got more life to it. It was very dark and, and indie and, and rock and roll ish, which I don't mind the rock and roll ash aspect of it, you know, bringing bands and stuff like that. That stuff I do like, but the darker lighting setting and, and stuff tone of, of NXT, like of eh, the black and gold. I mean, I was kind of getting tired of it. So this one had more life to it, more lights, uh, an audience around. So there was actually people. I mean, I know there have been people at the NXT shows prior to this relaunch. But you know, it just felt like very manufactured and not like people at an actual wrestling show. This felt very studio-ish. Very like 1990s primetime wrestling. Um, it looked very 90s, and, and I like that. I appreciate that as a wrestling fan overall and just a story. And like that look of it uh, gave me good vibes. The show was kind of like hit or miss on some stuff. It, it's going to be more of a back to more developmental as opposed to it being like a straight up third brand, um, like the way it's been the last couple of years. Like it was really before AEW arrived, it was really like the the show people were going to as an alternative to like this is the wrestling that we want to see but once AEW arrived NXT kind of fell off and kind of lost its way so now it's back to being more what it originally was and that was like 
developmental little show for for like you know enhancement talent to get you know the opportunity to work in front of crowds and promo in front of crowds and obviously you're going to have like some of your superstars there maybe you can have people come in from time to time like a you know like a drew mcintyre or i don't know if roman reigns would ever show up there but you know just things like that to work with like smaller unknown wrestlers just to give them that that chance and that opportunity to to be in front of an actual you know camera and all that stuff just to get the feel of wwe television that's what it's going to go back to more we'll see how it plays out like i enjoyed it for what it was um just on the visual look of it alone it was it was 10 times or more better than the previous incarnation where it just very it looked very bland for like these last couple of years but we'll see how it goes on that so but that's going to be headed up by i know vince mcmahon this was a vince mcmahon project and we see what he's done with raw and smackdown over these last couple of years and it's just it's gotten worse so that's what what everybody's fear is and now that vince has got his hands on this that he's just gonna ruin it all but i, I gotta give props you know it, the show looks good like when you're watching it like it's a it's a more lively show, more lively atmosphere makes it more exciting to watch. So we'll see. There was a lot of talent on it. I had no idea who they were. Uh, a lot of stuff that got changed at the last minute didn't like that. But that, of course, is WWE style as of the moment. You know, they'll they'll switch stuff on you, even though they're advertising it uh, on a whim. So that's weird, but. Either way, I'm getting what I want out of pro wrestling because of AEW, because of, of the return of CM Punk and guys like Brian Danielson jumping over and Adam Cole and just all the goodwill that they're building over there with the, with that young talent and them getting intertwined into all that stuff now. So uh, I'm getting my wrestling fix. So I wish WWE would fully get its shit together. But now that AEW is doing so well and Raw reacted to that, good. Like... If if it takes that if it takes that to finally get them to get the ball moving and realize that hey like there's some real competition now let's get it going like no more coasting no more just doing shit that doesn't make sense even though like we're still getting it but it's gonna be a slow thing right hopefully this is a a slow turnaround and, and what a start right with Biggie becoming the champion now build off that make something of it don't just you know go back to the to the to the well right like don't make this thing where like biggie's like a champion for like a month and then he loses it back to somebody who quite frankly i like bobby lashley but you know as a character he's kind of just he's just a guy he's a big guy yes but like there's no personality biggie's got personality you got to have characters larger than life to to really carry those shows and i'm not saying biggie's like the greatest character but definitely got more personality than bobby lashley i'll tell you that so if this is the shot in the arm, and if it's a slow process to, to get things better again, even though it may take months, it may take years, but as long as we're on the road to getting something like coherent and, and, uh, you know, just full of enjoyment, sure, let's do it. If this is what it took, so be it. But don't let this be a thing where you just, you needed to pop a rating. You need to get up there, and the rating for this really wasn't that all spectacular. Monday Night Football's back, folks, so NFL's going to be taking a lot of eyeballs off of so many different things. Um, this generated a 1.6 million rating, and that's with them promoting the shit out of this. Like, So not only with the Big East stuff, like they were promoting that Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley were going to fight for the championship, and this was supposed to be a pay-per-view match. And they, they they scrapped that and decided to move it to Monday Night Raw. That just goes to show you, like, they were putting all their eggs in one basket for this show to pop a rating. And and that's all they were able to get. Like, Raw's been averaging lately a little bit under 2 million viewers. So, like, 1.8, 1.9 around there. And if you're telling me that with football back and all the stuff that they were promoting, and they were only able to get a 1.6... Like, imagine if they didn't promote any of that. Like, I think it would have been bad. It would have been closer to what Dynamite's starting to do, and they're pulling up, right? Like, Dynamite's averaging, like, 1.2, 1.3 million. Like, I told you, they're going to inch closer to them. Like, this is going to be a, a a much 
closer battle than we all think. So it's on, folks. Like, and it's exciting from a wrestling fan standpoint, right? Like, it's just all good for us, right? Because we get to see it all unfold in real time. So that that's that's awesome, and that's what's got my attention. This in football, um, movies, TV. Uh, it's still a big focus of mine, but wrestling and football right now is just on another level. But um, yeah, uh, ho- well, this is gonna do it for today's episode. Didn't want to go too long here, and I pretty much I talked about everything that I wanted to, and we're updated. And it's going to be a slow box office for a couple of weeks until Venom comes on October 1st. Uh, again, this week, it's Cry Macho with Clint Eastwood, which will be a double release on HBO Max and in theaters. I'm not expecting much out of this movie in terms of box office power. Um, but I am expecting a, a pretty good film. Clint Eastwood is, for the most part, pretty good on the stuff that he releases. So um, looking forward to that. And then, of course, in a, in a couple of weeks, Venom. So. I'll be covering that for sure. But uh, you can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button for me, folks. I do share this podcast link through all my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen in there. If you're an Apple person, you got your iPhones, your iPads, and all that stuff, go to your little iTunes podcast uh, little app. Uh, Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Subscribe. Leave me that five-star review. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, Apple Podcast is still, like, my biggest contributor as far as, like, listeners. Like, everybody – if I look – when I look at the data, everybody mostly is listening through there. So I will continue to promote that as the biggest thing, even though I wish, like, my Spotify numbers would grow as well because that's a another amazing platform for podcasts. So – but where, however you get your podcast, You know, it's on iHeartRadio. I got it on Amazon. I got it on a bunch of different outlets. So you can check it out. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week. And um, if I can get some other stuff together, been having technical difficulties with, with other websites and stuff that I'm trying to do, my football podcast show, the SM Football Marks show, uh, hopefully that will be coming before the start of Thursday's game between the Giants and the Washington football team. So got to get that shit together so we can put out our, our week two content. So be on the lookout for that. And I'm still teasing. I'm going to bring back the, the 90s films turns 30 series. Uh, we'll see where I pick up on that. It's just, uh, we, we left it on such a high with Terminator 2 Judgment Day. It's like, ah, I wish I could have just ended, I should have just ended the season with that. But unfortunately, there's still, not unfortunately, but there's still a lot of films there here that I can cover for the 30th anniversary of 1991. So that, that'll be coming soon. So I just got to figure out where I'm going to pick off. I'm going to have to drop some movies because obviously we're already, Late in the year, so there's some good ones coming up on the 30th anniversary mark that I'll revisit, and I I got some guests lined up that I want for these shows, so hopefully it'll come to fruition. Everything's got to line up. Stars got to line. You know, everybody's got their own lives. I get it. It's real world <laughs> stuff gets in the way, but I love doing this podcast. And thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it so so much. And we'll see you uh, later this week for the SM Football Marks. So take care, guys.